So we're continuing our series in the book of James in the New Testament this morning. And it is my privilege to be able to speak to you uh, from James chapter two. But before I get into that, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a man. This is a man, let's call him Fred. Now, any similarity to anybody alive now is, is totally coincidental. It is not necessarily someone I've worked with. This is just a made up story. This is Fred. When anyone asked Fred, what do you do for a living? He would say, I am a salesman. All his friends knew him as a salesman. When he went out to parties and he was introduced to anyone and they asked him what he did, he would say, I am a salesman. The problem though with our friend Fred is that he wasn't very good at what he did or what he said he did. He hadn't sold anything at all. So in his head, he was a salesman. Intellectually, he knew all of the talk. He knew all of the buzzwords. He could talk a great game when it came to sales. But where was the evidence? He'd never sold anything. In reality, in the way it worked out in his life, he was no salesman at all. Now, we'll come back to that story and you'll see why I've told that as we go through. I'm speaking this morning from James, the book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. And I'm going to read that out to you now. Um, as I read that, it will come up on slides as well. So over the next three slides, you can follow the text as I read it. And it says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works 
when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, if you have been a Christian for a while, you will have read this passage before and you will know that this causes some debate. There have been arguments about this passage for hundreds of years. Especially lines in there that says, can that faith save him? And especially the line that says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Why has this been debated? Well, we're going to sort this out this morning once and for all. We're going to settle the matter. And then once we've got that out of the way, we'll apply it. And if you're thinking at the moment, wow, he hasn't started by talking about lockdown and all of that. We'll get to that, but let's forget about that for a moment and let's just look at the scripture and let's see what this is saying to us. You see, the reason that this has caused a little bit of debate is that in the book of Ephesians that's written by Paul, who wrote lots of the New Testament, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine says this. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Now, some believe that James, that the, the passage we read in James is now contradicting what Paul has said, saying it's not about works. And some people will read James and say, oh, well, James, I think he's saying it is about works. And what I mean by works is actions, deeds, the things we do. There's been so much written about this. And I'm going to sum it up very quickly. There are some listening to this who will say, well, I want to know more. There's plenty to read. There's plenty of research that you can do on this. And I encourage you to do it. Read the different opinions. Read what all the commentaries say. But today you're getting my version. Very simple, which is what you get from me. And very clear. OK, there is no contradiction here. It's very, very simple. And I don't think it's actually difficult to understand. You see, Paul in Ephesians that we read is saying this is how you are saved. James in the passage that we read is saying, and this is what it will look like. You see, it's very, very simple. You see, Paul in Ephesians chapter two is saying we are saved through grace, uh, by grace, through faith alone. That's what he's saying. And that is true. There is nothing we can do to get ourselves right with God. We can't work at it. We can't do things. It's about what Jesus has done. His death on the cross, his death in our place, all that he's done for us. And then his glorious resurrection. That is how we are saved. So Paul is right in Ephesians. But then what James is saying is, and when you're saved, this is what will happen. This is what we will look, it will look like. And you see, I stopped short in Ephesians. I spoke, of, I, I, I read out verses eight and nine, but actually it goes on to say in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know what they say, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. You've got the pudding there, but it's no good unless you eat it. That's what proves it's a good pudding. <laughs> someone once said, and I like this, this is not mine. Someone once said, faith is like calories. We all know about calories in lockdown. Everybody's talking about the weight they've put on. I've actually lost it because I've been cycling more. But there you go. Someone once said that faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you can always see their results. It's true, isn't it? Isn't that true? We are saved by grace through faith alone. And that changes us. And it changes us in such a way that it produces actions. And our deeds and our actions, they reflect our faith. They show outwardly the change that's happened inwardly. So can faith without works save us? This is what James is asking in verse 14. Well, actually, genuine faith has an outward appearance. You see, our faith is not just something intellectual. Remember our story about Fred, the salesman? His job role, his, his thought that he was a salesman was purely intellectual. It was all in his head. There was no proof of that. There was no evidence of that. It hadn't worked itself out. I may well have worked with a few salesmen that are like that, but I won't name names. <laughs> Actually, our faith is not just intellectual. Our faith spills out into actions, into what we call fruit. It bears fruit like a fruit tree. If it didn't have any fruit on it, what's the use? It's still kind of a fruit tree, but it's lost its purpose. And James explains this in verses 15 to 17 of the passage we read. And I'll, I'll go into that in a moment as we apply it. And then James then sets up a little bit of a, a, an argument with himself or with a, a proposed objector in the passage. And in verse 18 says, show me your faith then without works. Show me. What does your faith look like without works? It's kind of saying it doesn't really work. Our faith is practical. How do you demonstrate your faith? How do you show your faith? You can say, I've got faith. But then I could say anything. So I could tell you today that I, Paul Norris, who lives in Solihull, invented the Internet. Well, you'd say to me, oh, I'm not sure about that. Prove it. I want to see the evidence for that. I want to see what does that look like? How did you do it? For those of you who are quite young and, have, you know, you weren't around when the Internet was created. It wasn't me. OK, just just in case anyone misunderstands. But you see, you can say anything. If people don't expect actions, if people don't expect evidence. The proof that we have faith, a genuine saving faith, and this is what James is teaching, is that it will produce actions, it will produce deeds, it will produce works, whatever word you want to use for that. The actions themselves are not what produce faith. The actions themselves 
don't save us. Okay, Jesus saves us by his death on the cross, by his grace towards us. He's the one. We can't do anything to put our lives right with God. Jesus did that for us. That's why the gospel is called the gospel. It means good news. It's good news because we can't do it. Jesus did it for us. But when we have that saving faith, there's a, an outworking, there's a spilling out of good works, of deeds, of fruit that are really important and show what a change has happened inside. And James is teaching us this. He's teaching us that our faith is not just something intellectual. It's not just something in our heads. In fact, he tells us this in verse 19, where he says, you believe that God is one, you do well. So he's very complimentary. Wow, you believe that God's there and he's real, fantastic, good for you. Do you know what? Even the demons believe that. And they shudder because they know who he is. And rightly they shudder. But actually, it's not just about an intellectual belief. Now, this faith of ours, this Christian faith, is a practical faith. It's not just an intellectual exercise. But it does stand up to intellectual questioning. It is a reasonable faith. We don't switch our brains off. And, and we do this, we look at this on Alpha to say, look, this stands up to rigorous questioning. You can't say that there's no intellectual aspect to it. But it can't stay there. It has to be practical. So I think that's pretty settled between Paul and James. Paul is saying, Jesus has done it for you. And because of that and your belief in him, it will change you and there'll be works, deeds, actions, fruits. What are they then? What are those fruit? What are those actions? Practically, what is this going to look like? Well, they are many and varied. They look different for different people. They won't look the same across all of Jubilee Church. These things will all look different. And in this time of lockdown, these works look different again. Partly because we're in a different situation, but also because we all react differently to the situation we're in. Some really struggle with this situation. Some struggle with how things are going on and others maybe struggle less. I mean, let's face it, extroverts will be ready to explode right now because they can't socialize and hug everything that moves. We all know I'm talking about you, Rob. <laughs> For some of us, including me, you may not believe this, but including me, some of us are a little more introverted. And there's a little bit of this that we're actually quite enjoying. Because this plays to our introverted tendencies. And actually the angst for some of us introverts is, how am I going to reintegrate myself back into society? And fend off all those extroverts who are going to be starved of hugs. 
But actually it's serious, isn't it? We all react differently in this, in different ways. And for some, the prospect of coming out of lockdown is just the most amazing thing possible. For some, the thought of coming out of lockdown is quite, can be quite an anxious uh, thing because, wow, I'm, I'm quite enjoying my own space here. I'm getting to pander to all my introvert tendencies without, without worry. It's great. <laughs> but actually, we all react differently in this very strange time. But however we react and whatever the difficulties, our faith is still there. Our faith is still genuine. Jesus is still working through us and in us. And those works may look different now. Those actions, those deeds, that, that evidence of our faith may look different now than it did eight or so weeks ago, but it is still there. So what do some of these things look like? Well, here's an easy one because James actually illustrates it in the passage we read. James chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. If a brother or sister, okay, so that's someone for us in Jubilee, is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things they need for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If you are in Jubilee Church and you are struggling financially, if you are struggling to put food on the table, then it is up to the rest of us to put that right. Otherwise, our faith is dead. That's what James is telling us here. Now, it may be that we don't know that you're struggling like that. So please tell us. Reach out. Tell somebody. You know, people will be struggling right now. People may be fearful of losing their jobs. Some may have lost their jobs. Some of you may be on furlough and surviving on less money. If you are struggling, then speak up. Because our faith is a practical faith that meets the needs of those around us. And that starts in Jubilee. So please speak up. Let us know. We can't help you if we don't know that you're struggling. And we want to help because our faith inside us says we don't want to see people struggle. We want to be doing this. And so we need to know. We are called to care for those around us who are poor, especially those in that church family who have become poor through whatever means. What good is a faith that says nice words but doesn't meet the day-to-day -day struggles of those we love? We want to meet each other's needs. I've seen it happen even in the last two weeks where somebody has said to someone else, and I know this happened as I was the messenger, here's money. And that person said to me, wow, I don't know who gave me that money, but that was exactly what I needed at exactly the right time. Do you know, sometimes people help each other all over the place, don't they? In church or out of church. But the church is the only place I know where people give each other money like that. Because it's motivated by a compassionate, 
faith that's genuine. What else does it look like? Well, do you know what? It might look like time spent on a phone call, a video call that says, yeah, I'll give up my time for you because I know you need my help. Time is a precious commodity. And yet we give it freely because we want to support people. We don't want to see people struggle. We will give our time. What else does it look like? We give money to the church. We give money to God through the local church. And your generosity through this time has been evidence of your faith. The fact that people are still giving. There's still money there for the church to do what it needs to do and do the things we want to do. That's evidence of your faith because God has changed you. Where else does that happen? When people say, I remember having someone knock on my door once and say, uh, we want, you know, we want you to give some money to charity. And I said, well, do you know what? I already give. And they said, can I ask you how much you give? And I didn't give them a monetary figure, but I said, actually, it's over 10% at the moment of my gross salary. I've never seen a jaw go down so much. <laughs> but that's normal for us, isn't it? Not necessarily a particular figure, but it's normal for us to be giving generously and sacrificially. It's normal. Actually, to many people, that's not normal because it's evidence of a faith that's changed people. It's evidence for God. God has changed us. What else? Sharing your faith. Sharing your faith with people is a huge act of kindness. Or supporting those, helping those grow who are new in their faith. You know, this might be the most compassionate and faith-filled thing we can do. Because in doing this, we're not just helping people with their current practical need, which is good and right to do but we're helping people with their eternal needs. Jesus wants to meet people's needs right now, but he's more important in spiritual poverty and meeting the needs of people so that they can spend eternity with him. We need to meet people's eternal needs through what Jesus has done. So sharing our faith might be the biggest act of compassion and faith, the biggest evidence of our faith, the biggest work we can do because we meet so much more than people's need right now. We mustn't ignore people's needs right now, but we must not ignore their eternal needs too. It may be actually that inviting someone to an alpha course that just happens to be starting in the next week or so that might be the biggest evidence of your faith at the moment. It may be. It's difficult, isn't it, as we're not allowed to meet with people in the way we'd like to. But there's still a huge amount we can do for one another and for those around us. And I know that is happening. And I know that the evidence of the faith of Jubilee Church is out there and is big and is being demonstrated. And God's calling us to carry on with that. And that's just a few things we can do. There is so much more that we can do. I can't list everything. I can't even imagine everything that we can do for those around us that demonstrates our faith, that, that, that keeps us in line with what James is teaching us and what Paul is teaching us in the New Testament. So let me summarise 
and then we'll finish. I think the thing that sums it up for me in one line is this. What makes you look different and act different because of your faith? What makes you look different and act different because of your faith? What is it about your faith that's making you different? Can people tell that there's something different about you? How has your faith changed you? It may be that you're quite a new Christian and you're thinking at this point, oh, hang on, I haven't been a Christian long enough to do anything yet. I haven't done anything. Don't worry, because you're not judged by your acts. But what you will find is that as you grow in your faith, you will find you're doing things that you weren't doing before. What is it that's showing the faith that you have? We're saved by grace through faith alone. And that genuine life-changing faith is worked out practically. So let me ask you a question. What is the Holy Spirit leading you to do this week? What act or action? Maybe something you've been thinking about, maybe something you've been putting off. Who needs a kind word from you right now? Or their shopping picked up? Or their shopping paid for? Who needs some of your time this week? We don't want to be like our salesman Fred in the story at the start, who was a salesman in name only. We want a living, breathing, practical faith that changes us and changes those around us.